You're listening to Behind the Bliss, a weekly podcast where Rachel Autry brings conversations to you from women that share what's behind their highlight reel. Each episode is designed for you to see a message from the mess and encourage you to find balance in the bliss. We know that what you're facing is important for shaping who God has created you to be. Some may say it's a process that often happens behind the bliss. Here's today's episode. Hey, Jamie. Hey. <laughs> okay, people listening, I told Jamie before we started recording, this is just like a fun phone catch up because we yes. need one of these anyways. I know. So sitting down together, catching up on life, which is yes. just so funny. Would you call our um, friendship unlikely? It's not unlikely. It just was like, it was one of those wild potential internet friendships that actually yes. ended up working out in real life. Well, it's one of those things that people say, the internet is not real and you can't cultivate real friendships on it. And then you do and you're like, wow, this person is actually like a really good friend and it's is really <laughs> authentic and I just want to hang out with her all the time. And you're like, but the internet brought us together. So basically, yeah. um, we did have to DTR. We're friends more than just the internet. <laughs> we are. It was fun. Wait, okay, so I don't even remember how it happened. Do you remember like who told you, oh, you have to meet Rachel? Because I can't remember who told me like, oh, you have I to meet Jamie. I don't or remember. Or maybe we just have so many mutual friends, basically. Yes. Yeah. So long story short. And then you were moving to Mississippi. Right. So Jamie is in Mississippi. And Thomas and I moved to Mississippi, obviously, for a military training if people listen maybe they know that if you don't know that there you go and we moved to mississippi and then i think i don't even remember how it happened do we message each other like i forget i think i I, like definitely sought you out i wanted to make you my friend (laughs) it's like someone messaged somebody yes and i literally came over to your house for your family sunday afternoon dinner and pool party yes and and at that same pool party, we met, said, hey, and I told you, you were like one of the first people to know I was pregnant. But it, it was so fun. I like still cherish it. I, I still remember it. It was like, oh, hey, I'm Rachel. Oh, hey. And by the way, we're pregnant. And I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun. It was perfect. Yes. And then like the rest is history. And then we literally came over to your house for Christmas because yes. we were home alone on Christmas. All the things. We just got tight real quick. Because and those once, are the best you're one of my friends and you and Thomas are just so easy um, to be friends with. You you all feel more like family. So, Aww. Well, you feel like family too, which is why I was like, for the summer series, I'm having on some of my besties and we're talking about these like interesting topics. And I was like, mm-hmm. not only does she have a story that I respect and I'm like, oh, I just, I love, I love Jamie. People listening, like, I just love Jamie. I loved her before I met her. And then I met her and I was like, she's the real deal. Like she's the real deal. She, there's no hype behind the screen. She's just it. And then we got to connect more and I got to hear just vulnerable corners of your life. And you got to hear some of mine and we shared similarities and differences and have just been praying for one another that I'm like, yeah. okay, if we're going to have an interesting conversation <laughs> about a taboo-ish topic that can just be like dark and deep, but doesn't have to be, I want Jamie to be the girl. And so I'm like, I'm just overjoyed that you're even here with me right this now. So this is so fun. I know this is Long so- overdue. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Introduce yourself to people listening. Okay. Who are you? Who are you married to? Okay. Um, I'm things. Jamie Dorr. Um, but when I moved to Alabama, everyone thought I had a no- double name. So if you hear me, Jamie Lindor, that 
people just call me that too. I kind of just adopted it. Not Jamie Lynn Spears. Not Jamie Lynn Spears. I think I was born first. That's so, right. But yes, I'm Jamie and um, I'm from Kentucky. And then I moved to Alabama and I met um, my husband, Jake, who is the biggest Alabama fan you'll ever meet. And then- No, but really y'all like- <laughs> Like the aggressive, obnoxious, <laughs> gotta love him, Alabama fan. Roll Tide. Yes. I think someone said it once that they were like, I don't like Alabama fans. The only Alabama fan I like is Jake because he's yes. actually a true fan. And I'm That's like, right. I don't really know how to receive that. But anyways, so. Um, <laughs> no, yes. Jake's amazing. Yes. He is. He is. Um, but he loves him some Alabama sports, not just football, all sports. Um, so we met at college. And, um, we, we had a really long engagement. Don't recommend those. Um, but now we're married and we've been married for eight years. We just had an eight year anniversary. Thanks. Every year eight is great. And every year that just, um, comes on, just gets sweeter and sweeter. So that's so sweet. We love Jake. Yeah. He's like, this is, I mean, people listening that are married, like maybe you get this, but rarely do you find couple friends that like he likes him and she likes her and they mm-hmm. both like each other. Mm-hmm. That's really hard to find. Especially and like y'all are, adulting. Y'all are one of those for us. Yes. Yes. Especially <laughs> adulting. But like y'all are totally that for us. We're like, Tom's like, oh, I totally go golfing with Jake. And he has. And I'm like, oh, I would totally go over to Jamie's just for yeah. fun. And I have. Yeah. But we also have done stuff together and are like currently trying to book a international trip. Come on. <laughs> something tropical. We got Come to. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, just like to set the scene, Jake and Jamie are those like really fun people. Um, but you've also been through some really interesting things mm-hmm. in life, especially in these eight years. Yeah. And in these eight years, tell us about your kiddos. Okay. So I have six children and we've kind of been through more or less than anything that you would probably think a parent has to go through. I, you know, there, I say that very lightly because I know people walk through so many things, but I feel like, you know, what y'all truly do check a lot of boxes. We do check a lot of boxes. Um, so we have walked through miscarriage. Um, we have walked through miss miscarriage. We have walked through infant loss. Uh, we've actually buried our son. Um, we have an adoption. We walked through a failed adoption. We had a son that we adopted with a severe genetic disorder. Um, he, there's maybe 400 people in the United States that has what he has. So he's a very rarity. And then, um, we have two daughters and, um, yeah, we've just kind of walked through a bunch of scary things, but also like fear and uncertainty. And then we've seen, I'll just say, we've seen the best of this as far as kids, we've seen the best and, and tasted it. And then we've also tasted like the lowest of lows, the actual walking through the shadow of the Valley of death and being like, are we going to make it out of here alive? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, oh, it's so interesting, especially when you're going to talk about this like miscarriage and fertility and vent loss, like whole conversation, which between the two of us, we cover almost all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to like disclose this before we continue conversation, because I think like people like me would probably be offended with the title of this episode. Cause I'm like, they're not the same. Like <laughs> in- infertility is not miscarriage is not infant loss. Like they're all completely different monsters. So I just wanted to say like, 
we we get that we understand that but we just wanted to cover this idea of like what if motherhood isn't actually what the movies have said it is like what if getting to the place where you have a family sitting on a dinner table has taken a journey you probably would have never signed up for had you known the journey it was going to take yeah. so i just want to say like that is the overall general gist we're going with here and jamie gets it like there's been a lot of your life that i respect and i want to honor you in this because even like the order of events, you and Jake have still moved forward. And I mean to say this, like, so like losing your first, losing Baron, but then continuing to say like, yes, God, like this is still our desire. We will show up again, even if the outcome might be similar, like we are willing to try it again is huge. And I feel like that's where a lot of women like stay stuck. Mm-hmm. So I almost want to like, if you could because we're going to go deep fast. I'm like, yeah. we're just dragging people well, to the abyss. Like, let's go. That's just us, Rachel. Like you walk in my house and we're talking about real deep stuff. So just come at me with it. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> um, let, okay. Just for chronological and like story's sake, so people can kind of keep up as we try, as mm-hmm. we chat. Will you tell the names and the orders? Yes. And like kind of the story of how everything happened. Yes. Um, in 2016, uh, Jake and I have been trying to get pregnant for I would say probably about four or five months. And then at our six month mark, we got pregnant with our daughter Sawyer and had a missed miscarriage, lost her the first of June. And then after that, we, you know, everyone tells you, you can get pregnant again right away. Like, you know, your chances are actually better after you miscarry to have a healthy, viable pregnancy. And so mm-hmm. we walked um, forward in that, uh, we actually, I would say grieved her that she's a huge part of our story because she was our first baby. She was the first yeah. time we told our family, she was so many firsts and we probably grieved her the hardest, but we continue mm-hmm. to walk forward in our grief, knowing that, Hey, the Lord has healthy children for us in Jesus name. And we're going to believe that. So we continue to walk forward and months and months and months went by and we were not getting pregnant and nobody knew why. And so it led our doctors to tests and infertility and shots and, you know, trigger shots and egg checks and everything felt like a recipe that had to be added at the exact time. And the formula. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When all the intimacy had been taken out of it Mm -hmm. and we were told, (laughs) Hey, IVF is your, if it doesn't happen this time, we're going to start talking about more. And I, you know, more of that kind of route because you have unexplained secondary infertility. We don't know why, but on that last hurrah, we got pregnant with our son, Baron, and he felt a lot like our beautiful redemption song. Jake and I would both tell you he is probably the happiest we've ever been in our lives. Our first, you know, he would be the firstborn. He's not our first child, but he would be our firstborn baby. And we had a healthy pregnancy, never any problems, healthy anatomy scan, nothing to be concerned about. And then at 35 weeks, I went into labor with him unexpectedly and he never made it out of that hospital. We never got a diagnosis. He was actually airlifted to a children's hospital and He lived for two months there. His case was sent all over the country and pretty much every team that you could think of, uh, neurologists, hematologists, you know, everybody was on him and they never were able to give us a diagnosis. And he died in October of 2017. 
And he, I never thought I would be standing above my son as he was being buried in the ground. Mm-hmm. And um, after that, we really didn't know if we could have healthy children. And so we just kind of prayed through it. And let me just like, I oh, sorry, I hate to cut you off. No. I want to say this for people listening because I'm like, <laughs> this is like a life takes you down. You get back up, you shake off the dust and you're like, yes, Lord, we try again. And then this happens and life hits you on the floor. Probably, I'm just going to guess and assume that this grief different might have been a little deeper because you had a chance to meet him, to know him, mm-hmm. to love Baron in a different way than you were able to love Sawyer. Yeah. And so like for the people listening, like, can you, and you've been honest with me about this before, but I would love for you to almost just share like your raw, get real moment with God where you're like, what the actual heck? <laughs> and then you find out potentially, like potentially there might not be healthy babies. Like yeah. this isn't actually promised. Yeah. Oh yeah. So after Sawyer, we really just, I really struggled with God and I said, okay, Lord, if you're a good God, this cannot happen. And if you really loved me, you would not let my child die. Like I really mm. wrestled with, are you even a good God? Because this baby did not nothing. This baby didn't even get a chance to live. It was already taken. And I really wrestled out those moments, not just those moments, but I really wrestled out with Sawyer. Do I really believe God is who he says he is? Because wow. if he is, he has to be real to me in this way and and not just be real to me, but everything about what is written about him, everything that he says, everything that he does did has to be true because if it's right. not true, then none of this matters. Everything that I'm walking mm-hmm. through is literally just, oh, bad luck, which a lot of people would say, oh, you got dealt a bad hand. But if you really truly believe that God is who he says he is, then every single thing that you walk through has divine purpose over your life. And has mm-hmm. a divine place in this grander story that I hate to say it, but you're not the main character of. And mm-hmm. so I think once I realized, uh, like with Sawyer, I was very, this is my story. I'm the main character of this story and God did me wrong. And so wow. with Baron, I wrestled that out with God. And honestly, I feel like we walked through our infertility season because God gave me time to wrestle it out with him. And I needed mm-hmm. to, because if I had just moved forward, I don't think that I would taste and see the Lord is good like I got to. Um, and that yes. was really important for not just me, but for mine and Jake's relationship. And it so prepared me yes. for this season that I was about to walk through with Baron. So when we got it, right, laid the foundation for you to be like, did. I know what I believe and I believe what I believe on purpose. And if there's something I still don't believe, I'm working it out and I at least can be less hesitant to be like, on, I guess just honest with God, be like, I'm not sure about you uh, stuff, yes. but yeah, about this little area and have him even speak into that. But yeah, how, how, yeah. like, what a cool perspective. Well, yeah. and I really like, it's funny because when I, when we lost her, I quit my job. Um, I was having like a midlife crisis and I like wasn't even 22. <laughs> Jake was like, just quit your job, you know? And so he allowed me to be in this empty house and all I had to do was open up my Bible and so I, I, I told God, I said, I'm reading this from start to finish, and then I'll decide who you are. And I <laughs> got lost in the book of David and just everything about who David was and how God, David was in the wilderness. The majority of his promise 
that God had given him, he was in the wilderness. And I really clung to that because if I really believed, and, and I'm really careful of saying this because the more that I've walked with friends through infertility, the more that I've walked through with friends, you know, of child loss, this, I, I really am careful because when I was in the story of David, I realized that God's gift is not the promise. Like, yes, David was king and all this. God's gift to David was himself when he was mm-hmm. in the wilderness. And I think that, you know, no matter the outcome of your story, God's gift to us on this earth is maybe not a baby. It's his presence. And once you really realize that the gift is God, everything else is icing. Whether you actually get to experience on this side or you get to experience in heaven, everything has a purpose. And I just sometimes want to like, squeeze people and be like, everything you do here, everything works for your good and everything works for God's glory. And if you miss it, you're just, you're going to miss it. And I don't want, I think that's my biggest thing is I just want to grab people by the shoulders, especially my kids and say, I don't want you to miss this. I don't Mm -hmm. want you to miss that even in the mundane moments where you're, you know, washing a dish or you're changing a diaper or you're walking through your job at work and you're doing just accounting, which is what I was doing, like super monotonous things. God is working in those places too. And so that was the biggest thing that he taught me was that, you know, after he pulled me away from everything that I wanted, it was like, oh, you're still working in this and you still love me. And that's that's how was your grief at like, how was this, I guess, journey of finding out the character of God and who he is and is he real? How was that different after walking through that and getting this foundation laid? after losing Baron. Okay. So after Baron, most people would say, wow, this feels like really cruel and unusual punishment. And at times it did. So when he was born, um, I labored with him for 18 hours and his heart rate was dropping. And I, no one, like they kept coming in my room and being like, we're just checking on him because he keeps telling us to come in here. And then as soon as they would walk in there, Baron's heartbeat would level out. And so there was a lot that was like, we, we knew at that point, okay, something is not right here. Um, and I knew something was not right, but I think a lot of the people around me were trying to protect me from being more concerned because I was so focused on laboring him. So True. once he got there. And stress is never good no, in the labor. No, because it <laughs> just prolongs it and it was already yeah. long. And so once he got there, there was like 20 people in my room. There were so many people. I literally felt like I was giving birth to an audience. And as soon as he was born, they took him away from me. I didn't get to see him. And he was over on the table and all I could see was like nine people around him. They immediately raced him out of my room and I was sitting there still having to labor that fourth, I guess that last part of labor, I was still having to labor. And I didn't get, I didn't get those moments that I now know because I have other children. They put them on your chest. They, I just was sitting there wondering, where is he going? What are y'all doing? And about 30 minutes passed by and uh, the head of the NICU came in and said, Hey, your son is going to die. And I was sitting there. Wow. Just like point blank, just point blank, just looked at us and said, your son is going to die. And Jake and I were sitting there and we both looked at each other and looked back at him. And he said, we're airlifting him to Lebanon. It'll be the best chance he'll get. So those 
moments with God where I was pleading over his life, this son of mine that I didn't even get to look at. I didn't even know. I didn't even know what he looked like. Oh, sorry. Um, Mm -mm. Those next two months, um, Jake ended up leaving. I said, I mean, I told Jake, hey, there's two members of our family, me and Baron, and Baron needs you more than I do. And so Jake Mm -hmm. left to go be with Baron, and my parents were out of town. So I had a lot of time in a hospital room to myself. Um, And just really, I mean, one, I was so tired, but I, you know, I'm so grateful that God got me to this place where he said to me, do you really believe I am who I am? And I said, yes. And he said, okay, then we're, you're going to, I'm going to walk this road with you. And so luckily my doctors discharged me within a couple of hours, which was so gracious of them. And I was able to head to Le Bonner, um, children's hospital. And the next two months, I, I don't think that people, when they hear people say this, they're like, no, it's not true. Like you have to eat something. I only like I had to live by the word of God. I had to eat, sleep, drink it. Like it was all that I could do was to mm-hmm. sit and read scripture over Baron, over his life, over this. Well, we took these test results and they're perfect. We don't know what to tell you. Oh, we took his MRI. It's perfect. We don't know what to tell you. Um, he's having seizures, but his brain is perfectly normal. Um, he's, you know, he w- he didn't open his eyes. And I think that's where God really pressed into me that, you know, I just, I think the biggest thing that he pressed into me is that he loves me and he loves Baron and that God was using Baron in the exact way that he intended for him to his life to be lived out here on earth. And I think what I really got into with, with that season of the NICU is that our life here is on purpose and that everything, since we, everything we do is for the glory of God, the best way for God's glory to be made known in Baron's life was him coming like he did living in that NICU and going to be with him in glory early. And yes, that mm-hmm. sounds weird to say, but God really pressed into me how much he loved Baron and how much he loved me. And I already, I already got to a place where I said, I already know who you are. And so I don't need to know the answers. I just need to know God. And mm-hmm. I just need to know that his presence is with me. And that that's, you know, every single nurse and doctor that walked into that room, we didn't have the answers, but we knew the God who did. And that's what, that's where we landed. Um, we landed in a place of trust rather than questioning. And there is a place for wrestling and there is a place for questioning, but that wrestling and questioning always has to bring you back to, is God who he says he is? Okay. If he is, then what? Mm-hmm. I think this is so good. I feel like there's a burden on my heart, literally moving me to tears for women that push play today because they are in that space of like, oh, it, this does not look like what it, it supposed to look like and I'm like you're right sis it doesn't it's not supposed to be like that and but like what do we do with that where our heart is like yearning for something that is so much greater than this world could give us that we expect it to be here on earth with us and the circumstances aren't going to be that way 
but our God can still be here present with us when they're not. And so whether our friends listening are walking through the infertility and they're like, I don't have the answers. I just know that it's not what I want it to be. Or the friends that just lost the baby that clicked play because they're like, I just need a a pal that can like understand this loss and the heaviness with me or wherever you are. I think, Jamie, like the message you're sharing is that it is for it's for anyone in the space of being like, I'm not sure what this is going to hold or if this is even going to happen or fill in the blank what the future looks like. But I, the one thing that I do know is that God is good. And if Mm -hmm. I don't know that, then like, can I, can I take that really vulnerable journey to try and figure it out for myself? So I'm just like, I'm just really proud of you as, as a sister to be like, one, thank you for getting vulnerable and transparent about what that looks like. Cause that's not fun. No one likes to admit that they've questioned who God is, but if we're honest, we all have. Yeah. It's just like, have we actually gone to him about the doubt or have we just placed that in a deep abyss of our heart that like mm-hmm. the enemy can just do some dangerous stuff with? So yeah. this is your prompt that if you've ever questioned who God is, go for it. Figure him out. Well, and one thing that I want to say to the people that are like walking through this is that, you know, you're talking about, I think when we have these things that happen to us, we're like, oh, why me? God doesn't like me. Mm-hmm. God's not doing it to her. There must be something wrong with me or this. Yes. Always look through, Hey, you know, look, you know, evaluate yourself. But I think the biggest thing is that I just want to like grab those girls and be like, no, God specifically called you to greater things and you are getting entrusted. And I think once we look at suffering and we look at heart and know that God entrusts us so much that he chose you to walk Mm -hmm. this that we and, and and that you feel his hand that you are chosen with favor and blessing over God. I look at Baron and I'm like, Lord, thank you for entrusting me to be his mom. Thank you for giving us this story because I it's it's a story that no one else wants, but I know it has purpose under heaven. And I think mm-hmm. the girls that are walking through these hard things and are walking through infertility and are walking through miscarriage and are walking through infant loss, one your child is not a mistake. Your miscarriage is not a mistake. Your infertility is not a mistake. And God invites you into this space to make you look more like him. And that is the goal on this earth. The goal is not to have a child. The goal is not to have a perfect marriage. The goal is not to have all these things that white picket fence, American dream. The goal is to be more like Jesus and to Mm -hmm. have relationship and intimacy with him. Because when we get to heaven, that's what matters. Not whether or not we had six kids or two kids or our marriage was great. You know, like what matters is what is our relationship with God? And I almost feel like that in suffering that has been entrusted to me has been invited me to say, you know what, God, I get to taste you and actually see that you're good. And the thing is with that is that if I didn't walk through this, I'm scared I wouldn't know the Lord like I know I'm like right now. Amen. Yes, that's so good. Yes. I said that to a friend the other day. I was like, I am oddly grateful for some of the trials that God's called me to walk through because I know him in a way that Rachel, had she not gone through that, would not know God. And what an intimate relationship we have now where I can be honest and open and vulnerable and grateful and be and be like and actually mean my worship Mm -hmm. when I get on my knees, it's like, it's actually an act out of being like, 
oh, you're too good rather than it being like, well, everybody else is on their knees or raising their hands. It's like, cause I mean it, but I don't think I would have gotten to that place had it not been. For do you feel like suffering. after your miscarriage, do you feel like you wrestled some of that out or what do you feel like the Lord taught you through that? Good question. So if people follow me on Instagram, they definitely know, or if you know me in real life, you, you know, but I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast and not for any other reason than just like, I, I just haven't brought it up. So I'm going to go there. Okay. Oh, no. Oh my gosh, Jamie, stop. No, 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 no. It's just like, how do you do an episode? It's like, we had a miscarriage. Like, how do you, yeah. you know what I mean? I was like, how do I mention this? So this is the perfect place to do it. Um, so fun story. I called Jamie as one of my first people when we found out on New Year's Eve that we got pregnant again with our second. And when I called Jamie to tell her that I was pregnant, she was like, no way I'm pregnant too. Ah! Our, ah! <laughs> our due dates were like, what, two days, three yeah, days apart or something like that or like, the same day. So close. Yeah. So fast forward, we lost the baby around nine and a half weeks and obviously wasn't expecting it because we had a normal viable pregnancy for the first. I mean, like the statistic is one in four women are going to experience this. Um, which is a lot. It's not, it, it, it blows my mind that 25% of people, whether they've talked about it or not, have been through it. So you're not alone. Um, so when I go, I decide to, I think we were just chatting about normal stuff, but I I texted you about the miscarriage because I was like, I just need her to pray. I know she knows this. And Jamie responded that they lost the baby too around the same time, which that's it was so like crazy within days one of, of another. It was like you texted me and you were like, I texted you and you were like, we lost the baby. And I was like, well, so did we like yesterday. And you're like me like a day two ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So strange. That's what I'm like, but this is why we're soul sisters. This is why <laughs> I'm like, we're kindred. Yeah. Um, so we, yes, we did lose our baby number two, which we named Harlow. And um, yeah, we did not figure out if baby Harlow was a boy or a girl. So gender neutral. Mm -hmm. Um, I, good question though, going back to that. Like, I think, um, my soul has known grief outside of motherhood just by losing other important people in my life, like my dad when I was younger. Um, and so it was like a lot of scar tissue was getting massaged. That was really uncomfortable from the first loss Mm -hmm. of like my dad that I don't think, of course I have different spiritual maturity now than I did then. So I think a lot of what I believed or what I used to believe about God to cope wasn't actually true. And so I was having after losing Harlow to like trade like lies for truth with God and be like, why did this convert me the first time? And it's not working this time. And God's like, cause it's not true. <laughs> like let's, let's, let me actually reveal myself to you through this. Thanks, um, Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Holy Spirit. And actually, one of the things that gave me, I think, honestly, the sweetest perspective, Jamie, was something you told me, like out of all the people and all the books and messages, like something you told me stuck the most. And it's something I've shared with friends that have lost babies since is that we are promised that we have a great cloud of witnesses that are in heaven cheering us on on our behalf. And when you lose a child, whether you got to know them and meet them in real life, hold them, touch them, feel them or not they are a part of that great cloud of witnesses. And so the moments, I'm going to cry again. I know. The moments that I'm already. I, 
the moments that I was so struggling was like, I need intercession. Like I need something greater than me. I don't have the words. Like I need just like hold up my hands. I surrender. Someone hold my hands up for me. Um, I truly felt Harlow doing that. Like he, she, I want to say he, I always refer to Harlow as he, (laughs) so we're going with it. Mm -hmm. But Harlow is, is like up there being like, Jesus, look, like my mom, she needs some, like she needs that comfort. Like she needs that help. And and Harlow is the intercessor. Yeah. And he, like they are the great cloud of witnesses that we know about. Um, and so people listening, like your baby included, like they are on their knees interceding for you on your behalf to get through today, to like, to, to believe the truth mm-hmm. that feels so fake at the moment that it's not, that it's the only thing you can hold on to. Um, and that brought me to a place of holy surrender where I realized, like you said in the beginning, I'm not the main character. It's not about me. Um, this isn't my story. As much as the world tries to convince you it is, especially in the grieving process, people are like, ugh, throwing all the gross cliches at you. And you're like, mm-hmm. it's not about me, actually. It sounds really and we're not saying don't pillow, take- but it doesn't really sound great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you can find it on a canvas at Hobby Lobby, but it's not for real. <laughs> yes. um, but really, like, I had to get to that place to be like, call BS on the things that really aren't true, but are comfortable. Mm-hmm. Because I think when you cling to the things that are like squishy and sound good and are comfortable, you're not able to actually encounter the comforter because you're comfortable otherwise. So I think I just got to a place where I was like, this is really gross. I hate it. And God's like, and that's okay. For let's talk through maybe people that are listening that haven't experienced this. Because the last thing I want to do is like plant fear. Yes. (laughs) Because the statistic is true. And you could totally miscarry one and then lose the other at two months old. This is real. Um, You could have a healthy pregnancy or first and lose your second. And you could have like Jamie, you could end up having two biological kids, one adopted and still lose the the six, you know? So I want to speak to fear that might be in someone's heart listening to this that is like, oh, shoot. Like, this could be me. And they get wrapped up in the anxiety. Like, how do we consider this being a reality for us without it, without claiming it as our reality quite yet, if it's not? Yeah. Oh, gosh. And I'm like, you're asking me and I'm like, remember when I called you two weeks ago? It was like, I need you to just like <laughs> seek through some like, because I was, I was really yeah. struggling with fear. Um, and I really struggled with it after Baron because it was like, Lord, can I even have healthy children? you know, Mm -hmm. can I even, do I even try again? And if I try again, you know, there's no guarantee that this can't happen a second time and, or a third time, because we, there was no reasoning. Um, we did like the big genetic testing, you know, that was the only other missing piece. And we paid, you know, the big bucks to get all the information about Jake Barron and I gave all of our blood and, um, it didn't, give us any results. And so I think the doctors, you know, are telling us, Hey, we don't know. This Mm -hmm. is unexplainable, but just because it's unexplainable doesn't mean it couldn't happen again. And so what do you do with that? What do you do with, okay, Lord, well, it's happened once. And could it have been the reason that we miscarried Sawyer just too, you know, too early to know, you know, I don't know. And so there was this fear of, okay, can we have healthy children? And I think Jake and I um, are very two different people. We grieve differently. We process things differently. We even, you know, communicate differently um, on certain things. And I think one of the biggest 
things with him after we lost Baron was he came home and I was obviously not okay. And I looked at him and I said, am I enough for you? I know you always wanted kids. I know you always wanted a family, but if it's just me and this is all that God gives us, is this enough? And praise the Lord that I married him because he said it was. And, you know, that brought so much peace to my heart that we were on the same team. And I think you have to be on the same team with your husband when your family is the reason that you have children is for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And so just being on the same team as your husband and that we were going to advance the kingdom of God, even if it was just us, that's how we were going to do it. But fear of having another child, we just prayed through it. And we really felt like the Lord, I really felt like God was saying, you know, your next child is not of your womb. And I really was okay with that. Um, your next child is not from your womb. Like when I went and did my prayer time, so we started the adoption process. And after we like literally signed the papers, submitted everything that they needed for us to be, you know, <laughs> part of their clients, I got a positive pregnancy test. L-O-L. I hadn't even like, this is, you know, all the moms that are listening will understand this. I had not, you know, regulated after breastfeeding. Like I was still breastfeeding barren. And so like I had not regulated like back to normal. So I didn't even know how it was possible. Not like this. I mean, I know how it's possible, but I didn't know how it was possible. <laughs> That's right. But yeah, I got a positive pregnancy test. And then it was like, okay, I'm so scared. And like you said, like, I'm so scared and mm -hmm. anxiety was huge. Like I felt like I like my stomach would flip. Like I couldn't walk around and my stomach not flip. And I, I was, you know, and the whole time you're telling yourself, this is not good for the baby and you know, it's not good or, you know, you know, it's not good for your health, but you're still walking through, you know, anxiety and you're still walking through fear. And it's like, I mean, I even called you and was like, I need someone, you almost need someone else who's like, you know, coming into your, your life and saying, this is not true. And I love, I love, love, love what you said. Um, when we were talking about this recently, you were like, are you, I don't want to see you make decisions based out of fear. And, oh, right. Rachel, that so stuck with me because I realized in that moment, what decisions am I making based out of fear? And so we decided to carry our daughter and we were not going to have fear about it. And we just like, literally, I don't know how to say it other than we prayed a lot. And every single time I got scared, I prayed about it. And I just traded fear for God's peace. Because the only place you can get it is from God. That's right. Someone told me, I think I told you this on the phone the other week, but like fear and gratitude or like anxiety and gratitude yes. can't exist at the same time. Yes. It's, it's it's like psychologically impossible. The chemicals can't be released at once. One cancels out the other and guess which one it is. Gratitude cancels out anxiety or fear. Mm -hmm. And and I think like in those places that I'm like, oh my gosh, I am so anxious, like really afraid of the outcome of this or whatever. Spoiler alert. I mean, we're recording and people don't know. But when this comes out, people will know I'm pregnant. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, I would be lying through my teeth if I told you I still don't check my underwear for blood every time I pee. Just because that was such a reality that like my my body, it's, it's like a way of protecting myself. Mm -hmm. It sounds so weird. But in those moments that I have a cramp and I'm really afraid to go to the bathroom, that sounds so silly. But it's just it's reality for me right now. Like I have to choose to like align my heart 
in my body and be like, but what do I believe? And let's say I do worst case scenario, my truths are still true. Like Mm -hmm. the truth about who God is, is still true. And I'm grateful that even if like something were to happen tomorrow, like it did with Harlow, God doesn't change. Like his truth doesn't change. The way he feels about me doesn't change. The good things he has for me, they don't, they don't go away. It just looks different. And I'm and I learned how to work with it different through Harlow. Like I would be, I think it would be like 32 weeks with Harlow right now. And I still love my life. Mm-hmm. Like my life is still beautiful and abundant and I find pleasure in it. And like, so if that's still, you know, and like finding that, that actual gratitude, not the fake gratitude just to get mm-hmm. yourself through it, but like you're psychologically getting grateful, truly like your fear is dismissed. Yeah. And something that you taught me and I like remember it is when you were talking about gratitude, we were talking about this on the phone, you were like, okay, what's one thing that you're grateful for that you can smell like your senses? What's one great thing that you're grateful for that you can see? What's one thing that you're grateful for that you can hear? So even if you can't think of something that you're grateful for, like you can look outside and say, oh man, Lord, that flower, thank you for your provision that you, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't let the flower fade without being mindful of it. Um, it's really, that's something that's helped me as I like walk through gratitude is like, even if I can't see it, cause I don't, I can't always see it. I can, I can tune into my senses of the senses that the Lord has given me and walk through gratefulness in that way. It's called grounding. That's the best thing ever. (laughs) That's the therapeutic term for it. But yeah, no, I do that all the time. Like if I'm just overwhelmed, I stop and I'm like, can I just take in my senses? It sounds so woo-woo, but it really, truly helps. Oh, it really Try helps it. me. Uh, yeah. yeah. Call, I called you and yeah. it was like, I tried it and I was like, wow, that really did help. <laughs> it actually works, huh? Weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And now just to like finish your story, you have two beautiful girls that are children of your womb mm-hmm. and you have sweet Bobo. Bobo. Um, Bowen is your adopted son mm-hmm. who actually looks like you guys which is so funny do you get people being like he looks just like jake and you're like lol i it's so funny because i people do say that he looks like us but it's so i i i don't know i i do think he looks like my dad a little bit but maybe sometimes i have other moms of adopted babies and they get that all the time yeah oh she looks just like you and she's like okay thanks i'm not even (laughs) really related well Bowen um, is very handsome and he doesn't get any of it from so me. super cute so he is so super shut up cute, so. whatever so i have to we end up carrying sayla james and i always thought like when i heard god say your next child is not from your womb um i always thought that our adoption would come first but we mm-hmm. actually had a failed adoption so our expectant mom decided to parent and we had walked through a season with her and so once she decided to parent, we lost finances. We lost a lot of just being able to work with all agencies and not just be one agency. Like we were kind of roped into that one and that one didn't have a lot of um, expectant moms that had gone through. So it was a, it was difficult. And I always thought he would come first, but Sayla James came first and she was born in September of 2018. Um, and she, I like, could cry talking about her because she's just the best. I love her so much. And she's like, the best. she is. And she's so, it's so funny because I tell people this all the time. She's not a firstborn, like her personality, like people are always 
like so surprised by who she is because she's not what they expect. And I'm like, because she's not the firstborn. And I think that God has given her a personality that's very tender and um, backs. She doesn't like to lead. She likes to just be, she likes to be on my, she likes to be my shadow. Mm -hmm. But she, one of the things that was great about, I had her labor and delivery and God redeemed every single part of my process with parents experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was like super surreal. I remember them like handing us her and being like, okay, you guys can go home now. And we were, me and Jake were both like, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure you're in trust? <laughs> no helicopter? With yeah. Like, yeah. Like, no, like no NICU teams like need to look at her. Like no, you know, no doctors are going to come home with me. Nurses. Like it was just like, you're giving her to us. Really? This is wild. Um, and so she is just a love of my life. Um, I love her so much. And then Bowen, um, we ended up adopting him in January of 2019. And we spent another month in the NICU because I got a similar phone call in the middle of the night um, that he was going to die. And then they transferred him to a children's hospital. And that felt like deja vu. That really did. Like yeah, I literally woke like, up. Yeah. yeah. I literally woke up and was like, we're walking through this again. And this one is not like I didn't labor him or like he's going like it was very weird how like similar um, just not what they had, but similar um, of the way like a call in the middle that, you know, an unexpectedness. So um, he got diagnosed with a genetic disorder that um, so he can't have I, I am very careful to say what he has. Cause I mean, it's his story and I want him to be able to share it and people just get on WebMD and they, you know, go crazy. And so <laughs> research your baby. Yes. Yeah. And so one day I'll just say this one day he will share what he has, but, um, I, I gift that to him to share it in his own time in his own way. But when we went to the hospital, all I'll say is I remember the doctor, the head of the disorder, like the types of disorders that he had came in and goes, huh, this is something that you read into the textbook and you never think you'll ever see it in real life. And here it is. And that is our Bowen. And he is free and thriving and everything. He's like a tornado. Like I can't even, there are so many loves to laugh. He loves laugh. He loves music. There are just so many things that I just wish that people could experience because Bowen's life is so favored by God. And it's so it's Bowen's world and we're all just living in it. But, you know, he has a lot of special needs and he has a G tube and we, you know, being a special needs mom is constantly refining me. Um, but then I would say, you know, and then we had, uh, we got pregnant with Savannah after Bowen and we had her in June of 2020 and had, you know, no other, no other concerns. And so we were like, Oh, well, we can just have children. Like even Jake said this right before we got pregnant this last time, he was like, I, he, he really struggled after we lost our most recent baby in January of this year, a similar time to around you. And he was like, I just thought loss was not a part of our story anymore. And I think right. we both, like it was got, checked off the yeah, list moving on. Like, oh, yeah. God, you know, you know, saw your Baron, but loss is not a part of our story. Special needs and hard things are, but and that's where it's like, I think it's going to be a part of everybody's story, unfortunately. Like yeah. everyone's going to come into a place in their life where they deal with unexplainable grief. And it's how you walk through that grief that, you know, is going to say more about, you know, who you are and who God is 
than it is about anything else. But yeah, those are my six kids. So, and they're, 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 gosh, everybody who has kids knows this, but they, it was pain and heartache and, but I, and I am very careful to say this because I think Jake and I, we, when we just walked through our anniversary, I was looking at him and I'm like, if you knew that all this was going to happen, would you still have said yes? And we would <laughs> like, it's, it's yeah. been so yeah. hard. And when I say hard, like, I mean, you and I are talking about all of this and I still feel it. Like I still get tears in my eyes and feel it like it was yesterday, but mm-hmm. it, but like you said, God is good and I know he's good. And, um, and that's what makes the difference is whether we're willing to say, okay, God, loss or life, I'm going to walk this with you and I'm going to take your hand and know that you're faithful and trustworthy and that this life is worth walking. This pain is worth walking because what you have on the other side of it, no matter if it's what I want it to be and what I expect it to be, or it's not, it's worth it. It's worth it. Oh my gosh, Jamie. Oh, I, yeah, I just, I love you. And I just, I, I feel like so grateful that I, you even like asked me, you know, I love, I just need to honor you for a second. People that know you, I know they listen to this, but when, you know, you were saying earlier, like you're the real deal, but I really like, I loved Rachel and I uh, like, you know, respected Rachel following her on Instagram before, you know, we became friends but she really is the real deal. And that's something that I love about you. And like, what's, you know, left me, you know, after we lost our baby calling you because you are authentically who you are and God, you always know what to say. And God is so like purposefully blessed you with doing this. Like you're like, and that's why I'm just like, I want everyone to listen to behind the bliss because you are the person behind the heart of this show and your heart that I just love so much. Jamie. I just had to say it. Oh my gosh. And it's on tape. What a, <laughs> what, what an emo episode. I love it so much. You know, you were going to get a little emo when you called me. <laughs> no, I know. I'm like, I love you for it. Thank you for saying that. That yeah. means so much to me. I yeah. like, I sometimes want to like export those little clips and just like text them to myself. So on a really crappy day, I can be like, no, I'm- actually people think I'm actually awesome. you're you're doing okay yeah no I um thanks for letting me be a part of this you know yeah. I love you if I love you so much if there are women listening this is like one other good last question there's women listening that are maybe like they, maybe they've had a friend on their mind throughout this whole show because their friend knows loss and maybe the woman listening doesn't whatever what are like two good practicals or one or however many practicals um for loving a friend that's walking through this weird motherhood loss journey regardless of what it looks like okay loss of a dream through infertility loss of a you know a baby through miscarriage or a loss of a child through child loss um two things uh they're really easy because they're really easy for me to say because um, I think the biggest thing is people, people ask me this all the time. I get this question. How do I love someone that's walking through grief? What do I do? I don't know what to say. I, the mm-hmm. first thing I would say is first accept the fact that you don't know what to say and it is okay. Like you mm-hmm. don't know what to do and it is okay. Like that is the first thing. There is nothing that you are going to do or say that's going to make this situation any better. Any um, better. I, right? Yes. I think just learning 
to sit with them in it and say, I am sorry. And I don't know what to say. And I don't have the answers, but I'm going to sit with you in this grief. Like I'm going to Mm -hmm. be here for you. And I think that's, what's blessed me is not the people that knew exactly what to say because, and, and they're like, well, I'm just scared what to say. I have people, you know, at church that are like, I don't do grief. And I'm like, well, everyone does grief. It's just that's right. whether or not you enter, if you choose to enter into that. And the people that are so sacred to me are the people that entered into my grief and didn't leave me there alone. And the second thing that I would say is that, you know, they're like, I want to do something, but I don't know what to do. And then they'll like, you know, pick up their phone and text me like, Hey, you know, are, do you have dinner tonight? Like, right. I, I just wanted, and I'm like, don't ask, just don't ask. Like, I wish Like, you know, I think the biggest thing is serve them and don't ask to serve because I think when I got a phone call, you know, I remember the hardest thing after we lost Baron was I had to go to the grocery store. Like everything was normal. And I was like crying Mm -hmm. in the peaches, like everything was not normal. (laughs) Like, you know, and I like remember like walking through that and being so like, and if I think someone texted me, was like, do you have groceries? And I didn't want to be like, no. I don't have eggs and I don't have milk and I don't have anything. And I'm, you know, right. You know what I'm saying? Like I mm-hmm. was, I'm so blessed when I just would be walk outside and someone say there would be banana bread sitting on my porch and be like, you know, the a person texts me and say, I just made two. And I thought you might want one. And that mm-hmm. like, I didn't, because I think the thing is, is someone walking through grief, they don't want to be a burden. And one, I just want to look at people and be like, your grief is not burdening anyone. Like God intended us to walk through community. God intended us to not walk through things alone. You're not burdening me by your grief, but I even, I even do it myself. I've even like, you know, even with yes, to be like, I don't want to burden anyone. And this is really hard. And this is really sucky. Like this is too much. I'm too much. Like my emotions like are all over the place. And I just want to be like, serve without asking. Like that is how Mm -hmm. we love people is we like, chop down their, you know, cut their bushes down if they need it. We get their mail. We take their, you know, their garbage out. Yeah. We do the things that they need without asking. And I think that's where the heart of service lies and the heart that when we serve others, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And that's sometimes what our people need. Mm. This is, this has been amazing. Oh, this (laughs) has been perfect. I, yes, I think this is perfect advice and encouragement and just real life this sucks but god doesn't message (laughs) that i think a lot of women need um because if the statistics are what the statistics say then there's more women than we know that are in this place with us and this message is for everybody and i'm just so grateful that you would come on and share it with me i do have to ask you one more question before we go it's one of my favorites it's a good little light note to end on what is something you're loving these days that you have to share with people listening it could be like amazon product it could be a song like anything okay i have like a spiritual one and then i have a not spiritual one my spiritual one is okay go i love the dwell app because yes. it has the peaceful Psalms, it has five tracks, and I like to put it on. Um, I think it's David from London, and he has like a really deep voice, and he has an accent, <laughs> and he just like he reads the Psalms to me, and I like find myself like putting it on in the car. I love it. 
Um, that's like a super spiritual one. Um, and then my second one is that I have this, this is like, you know me, I love a product. So (laughs) yes, I, um, have this lotion bar by cosmetology and it is like goody. It's called goody, goody grapefruit. Well, I don't use lotion because it, as soon as I put it on, it doesn't really like give me that, like, you know, lotion or soft skin feeling like the whole, it just kind of feels like it goes on and it's like gone. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. But I have this lotion bar from cosmetology and I love it. And I get out of the shower and I put it on and I'm like soft for days. So (gasps) I need that. This Oklahoma dry Midwest weather is like my skin's worst nightmare slash we love a good like product. I love so, a good product. So, I'm going to link that in the show notes. Yes. And everyone's going to be like, this is so weird, but it's so good. <laughs> goody, goody grapefruit. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's so cute. Uh, well, Jamie, I mean, you know it. I love you. But mm-hmm. people listening, I'm sure are obsessed with you. So we will link you and all the things and some fun pictures in our show notes. So if people want to check it out, they totally can find it there. But thank you so much for just spending time with me and being yourself, which is always the best. Well, I love spending time with you. So (laughs) (laughs) love you. Yes. This episode of Behind the Bliss podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss episodes full of encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.